Welcome back to Trending in Education. Uh, this is Mike Palmer with an extra uh, where we have the, the pleasure of having uh, Matt Cooper, the CEO of Skillshare with us. Uh, welcome, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and um, for our listeners, uh, I thought maybe we could start by uh, you talking us talking to us a little bit about what Skillshare is and uh, what your job is. Great. Uh, sure. So Skillshare is an online learning platform. Uh, we have about 22,000 video-based classes across pretty much every topic you can think of, but uh, specifically centers around professional development type content. Uh, a lot of creative, a lot of tech, business classes, um, and most of them tend to be bite-sized. So 30 to 60 minutes in length. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an open platform, so anybody can come in and teach. So most of our teachers are hands-on experts in the field. They're doing the job day-to-day. So uh, when you sit down and, and watch a, a Skillshare class, you're typically watching someone who is um, has been hands-on, doing the work every day, and uh, has accumulated that expertise and knowledge over time. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and, and sort of building on that, uh, we've recently been talking about what we can learn from Netflix. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's part of what brought us to Skillshare where, you know, we were aware of what you guys were doing, but uh, I think it became a little more front and center. Also, you've gotten a little press about getting some funding uh, recently. Um, But uh, anything about Netflix that, uh, you know, excites your imagination or do you have other ideas about other organizations in the same space as Netflix? Uh, But um, I've heard Netflix, uh, as a, a sort of root metaphor for one of the ways to operate a business effectively. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think there's a startup in the world who hasn't spent time with the Netflix culture deck. Mm-hmm. You know, that, they released that years ago and yep. it was an overnight success. Uh, they recently refreshed um, sort of their culture page on, mm-hmm. their, uh, on their jobs careers page. Um, and, you know, I think it's, if anything, it's hard now because it's so good, you just want to cut it and paste it. Right. Um, so yeah, I think the it's it's hard to come up with your own version that's just as good as their version. Right, um, right. But I, I think what it did is just it got a lot of companies thinking about corporate culture in a very different way, mm-hmm. uh, in a much more personal way. Mm-hmm. So that's something we talk about a lot, and uh, we're we're constantly working on. Um, as you can imagine, it's extremely competitive in New York, uh, but really anywhere in the in the tech community. So uh, if you don't have your culture dialed in, it's hard to keep the best people. Uh, right. So we spent a lot of time uh, thinking about Netflix from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, for more of a business model uh, direction, you know, there are actually quite a few parallels. I mean, we I sort of jokingly uh, refer to us as Skills or uh, Netflix for smart people. <laughs> um, but there is a you know the heavy content component. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly trying to personalize the content, drive engagement, get people coming back for more, uh, figuring out you know what what they're interested in, what their likes are, dislikes, et cetera. Um, and then we are you know we're ultimately a co- content platform. Mm-hmm. So um, you know we have the open component of our platform where those six thousand teachers have taught twenty two thousand classes. We also produce some of our own content, so mm-hmm. our, our Skillshare originals where. Um, we're now kind of in that Netflix space of trying to figure out what the hit's going to be. And, right. Uh, you know, who are the influencers that our, our audience wants to hear from and mm-hmm. what topics are going to engage them. Um, so I think, you know, some interesting parallels there. Um, I think the challenge we have is we, we want people to explore. Uh, and so, yes, you know, we know you like this one type of class and these certain types of teachers, but how do we also drive some, for serendipity to get you to think about other content, other topics, other skills that 
maybe don't align with, align with your day-to-day -day work, but it's just something you'd find interesting and beneficial and allow you to cross-pollinate a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that expression for serendipity because uh, I use cross-pollinate a lot. Yep, but I got a new one and like it's, it's slightly different. Like the, you could just rely on uh, regular serendipity for your cross-pollinization, but yeah. if you find a, a cross-pollination, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Dan will fact, fact check <laughs> that for us. Look that up. It, it'll be one or the other. But uh, well, I'm going to say cross-pollination. Uh, I'm going I'm to stick with that's my final answer. But, um, you know, you can just sort of allow happenstance, serendipity, uh, you know, sort of just lucky coincidences, happy accidents. Or you can sort of subtly or not so subtly uh, begin to try to push the diversity, yeah. force the, the, the surprising connection. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like, you know, in some ways, one of the things we talk about on the show is like, we're in a world where you can, you can really live your life entirely within this insular chamber yeah. where you just become really expert in a very narrow space. Mm -hmm. um, I think you were talking a little bit about the, the, the yeah, T-shirt concept. Can, yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's something we've been, we've been thinking about a lot lately. So this, this idea that you know, there are topics where you're going to go deep and that typically aligns with what you do for your day job. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's a lot of benefit of just going broad as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so just because you were a designer doesn't mean you shouldn't be uh, learning about engineering or marketing or other things. Or if you're an engineer taking that watercolor class may help you connect the dots mm -hmm. and there's a uh, a famous anecdote about steve jobs where he took a calligraphy class shortly after dropping out of college mm -hmm. and later that became the inspiration for creating fonts on the mac right and you know had he not sat in on that class that he just thought was interesting we may all still be typing in <laughs> courier new uh yeah so i think as we think about how to drive that for serendipity there's this you know, it's like what's opposite on the color wheel, right. right? We know you like blues and we can show you all different shades of blues, but how about an orange? Right. Uh, and how do we get people to start thinking about that? And, and also to, you know, think about it as a benefit, you know, mm -hmm. just because you're an engineer doesn't mean you can't take a class on how to make coffee or right. cause chances are, I mean, ultimately creativity is being able to connect those dots across disciplines. Mm -hmm. So if we can give you more dots to connect, hopefully that creates a, a, a better life for you and a better world for everyone else. Yeah. I, lo I love the thinking. And it reminds me, I was uh, talking to you a little bit about, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to find inspiration through Netflix and I did, just recently see uh, Jizza from uh, the Wu-Tang Clan mm -hmm. uh, is doing a show on Netflix called Liquid Science. So a member of one of the seminal uh, hip hop groups uh, is now doing uh, new programming on Netflix about science and STEM from the mm -hmm. perspective of uh, a kid who grew up in uh, Staten Island, also known as Shaolin, uh, where, uh, where he sort of he sort of contextualizes um, global warming through the context of the impact to uh, the Staten Island beaches and the places where he lives. And I, I thought that was really thought provoking and it seems uh, akin to a lot of what I imagine uh, Skillshare is exploring these days. How do you understand influencers? Mm -hmm. Can you um, almost find a surprising dimension of an influencer is sort of the way I, I was struck by the, 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 the GZA example, which is also don't call him GZA because uh, <laughs> even though it's written GZA, I had to do a little research coming in. It's pronounced GZA. But, um, but I, I, you know, like 
in some ways you add a dimension, particularly a learning dimension to uh, a celebrity or mm -hmm. someone with a strong media presence. I think we were talking a little bit about how uh, Skillshare has been experimenting a bit around that. Uh, are there any examples that that jump to mind for you? Yeah, so we uh, we just launched a class with Lolo Jones, mm -hmm. uh, who is a uh, Olympic uh, Olympic sprinter. Uh, actually, does bobsled in the Winter Olympics, right? Um, and she's developed a pretty impressive social media following. Uh, and you know, we I know that she could teach a class on how to get faster. Right, uh, may, may not help me. I think sure. I have, reached terminal velocity, which uh, <laughs> you could try to maintain as much yeah, of your yeah. velocity as you can, but yeah, yeah maybe em not the em Olympics. Emphasis, emphasis on terminal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think the, we know she could teach, you know, health and wellness, mm -hmm. um, but she teaches a really interesting class on how to build a social media following, how she thinks about social media, um, tips and tricks on, you know, maximizing Instagram. Right. Um, so it's just, it's an interesting class and that you know she's known for one thing and we're having her teach something very different right uh and it also sort of blends into the edutainment component and, right you know i think just all of our best classes the teachers have something about their personality or their background or their history that people just enjoy listening to them right uh, they have interesting stories to tell interesting an anecdotes to pepper uh within their class um I teach a content marketing class. Ah. And if you want to, you know, if you're looking for a cure from insomnia, <laughs> like it just, it's different when you put one of these big personalities on. Right. And they've got a, a slightly different spin because again, sort of connecting those dots from different walks of life and bringing that into your class. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, one of the, the notions that we've explored a lot on, on this podcast is the, the idea of needing to continue to earn the learner's attention. And in a world where, the 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 amount of uh, noise, uh, some of which is entertaining noise, but the 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 amount of just inputs that any individual can be consuming at any point in time, uh, competing within that very noisy universe, and er not just earning the initial discovery, but then earning the returning attention over time, is a is a genuine challenge, and that's where influencers can come in, mm -hmm. where they may not be, you know, phenomenal teachers, but people may not care because they're saying that's somebody I want to know more from. Yep. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll sort of take their, their teaching chops as sort of one way to evaluate it. But just by virtue of this being Lolo Jones or this being someone from uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, that's going to, that's going to inspire people in a very different way. And then frequently, I think it's going to maybe change perceptions about what it means to be human. Because like we think about, you know, this influencer because, of, you know, they're, they're really fast and they can, they can win gold medals or they're, they're, they're a phenomenal hip hop artist. But to then understand another dimension of that person is, is I think, very exciting to, to audiences. I know I get, you know, George Clooney as an example. Um, my perspective on George Clooney as an artist changed once I understood the level to which he's really George Clooney, a, a humanitarian mm -hmm. and the idea that all of us contain multitudes, yep. you know, um, can you talk a little bit about um, how Skillshare is working with its talent? Like how do you identify your talent? How do you like, who can, who can author courses uh, on, on Skillshare? Yeah, so it's it's an open platform, so anybody can come in and teach. And you know what we 
we do have some layers of quality control. So every class that gets uploaded, we review, make uh -huh. sure, you know, there's no copyright violations, audio, video quality, or what we would expect. Um, educational thresholds have to be met. Um, and then after that, then we can, you know, we can see what's going on in the platform. So we can see who's getting minutes watched, uh, what the completion rates are, what the bounce rates are. And that's where we've got, you know, the algorithmic methods that we can use to figure out, all right, is this class working or not? Mm -hmm. um, and what we see, you know, the classes that are working, most of the classes across the board are not Lolo Jones. It's sort of day-to-day -day experts who are, they just know their stuff. Right. Uh, and so what we see is the, the teachers who sort of our own homegrown stars that have worked their way up through their first class on Skillshare. And now they've got 10 and they've got tens of thousands of followers on our platform. Um, they have really deep expertise mm -hmm. and an engaging personality and personal story. Mm -hmm. And that combination of expertise and, and narrative mm -hmm. tends to be what keeps people coming back for more. And when they launch that next class, now they've got 20,000 followers. They launch the next one, they've got 25. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the best teachers tend to create a, a snowball of momentum around them. Uh, and I think that's been one of the realizations over the last, uh, last 12 months is just how, there's a, for our top teachers, there's sort of this cult of personality around them and people just like listening to them. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I think the related thing is uh, which skill. So there's which teachers resonate mm -hmm. and uh, there are probably some common attributes uh, really, you know, maybe across your, the, the T notion, you know, really across what will catch the potential learner's attention and what will make people excited to take a class. Mm -hmm. That's probably shared across that, the best stuff across. But then which skills do people really wanna go deepest on? Where, where are the areas where you're seeing the most, um, the most interest? Um, you know, which skill zones are, how do you think about sort of the, the broader skills map? Mm -hmm. um, any, any, any thoughts based on your experience or, or what you're seeing on your platform? Yeah. I mean, our, our historical roots were always in creative. Mm -hmm. So design, illustration, animation, all of the creative disciplines have yep. always been really strong on Skillshare. That's kind of where we grew up. Yep. Uh, but we've seen a lot of expansion into you know, a lot of marketing classes, business classes, uh, leadership, management. Uh, on the tech side, a lot of front-end skills, mm -hmm. uh, sort of design-centric technology skills. Yep. Uh, program management, project management, product mm -hmm. management. Mm -hmm. um, those are all hot areas. A lot of interest in sort of the hot technologies, crypto, AI, yeah. et cetera. Blockchain. Blockchain, et cetera. Yeah. So um, I think we definitely were somewhat representative of what is hot and topical. Uh -huh. um, again, beauty of, you know, so the, the two components of our business, I think are important to recognize. One, the open platform on the teacher side. So sure. whatever the experts think is hot and is going to get interest, that tends to be what we see come in. So right. if crypto and uh, Bitcoin are hot, we're going to see uh, classes in those topics. Right. Um, if the, um, you know, those, those teachers tend to zero in on those topics that are going to get the, the broadest play on the demand side, our platform is, uh, is all you can eat subscription. Right. So for a user, the incremental cost of additional consumption is zero. Right. Right. Once you've paid your $15 a month or $99 a year, you right. can take as many classes as you want. So right, right. there's a natural tendency to explore. Mm -hmm. uh, so our students, you know, if you're 
you're an engineer in your day job and you want to try that coffee making class or take a watercolor class or listen to the blockchain class, hey, amen, go right. for it. It doesn't right. cost you anything. So I think there's an interesting, you know, we've, as you look at just the rapid pace of innovation in the world at large, mm-hmm. not to mention the tech and creative communities, um, it's hard for the traditional model to keep up. Right. So having that effectively infinite number of teachers available to us mm-hmm. uh, who can explore and test and figure out what's working. And then we've got a massive network of students who mm-hmm. also want to explore and test and figure out what works for them. Right. We kind of, we see some really interesting data behind the scenes. Yeah. And I imagine your, your, your marketplace is almost a way to sense the direction that the world is heading yeah. uh, really on both sides, I guess. Are there places where there's unevenness where like there are, lots of great instructors, but not as much of an audience. And you think it's maybe ahead of trend. And then on the flip side, are there places where people are desperately hungry for skills and it's just tough enough to, 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 to find enough talent to, to kind of source against the demand? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Every now and then a class will launch and it just blows up. Right. And we never saw it coming. Yep. Uh, we did a class, uh, there was a class on uh, Procreate, the design software. Mm. Um, and you know, again, like, and this is the beauty of an open platform. If we had sat down as an editorial team and tried to figure out what were we going to teach next, that would be a big hit. Right. We never would have picked it. Right. Right. Uh, but the, you know, the network knew well in advance right. of us knowing where the hot skills are. So procreate class goes up, goes nuts. Right. Uh, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is a big trend that we had no idea was there. Right. Right. Uh, so you can, so I wish we had a better crystal ball. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is things just pop up. It's like, wow, well, we didn't know about that. Right, one. right. Now we do. But I mean, absent a crystal ball and ear to the ground is pretty good. And like you, you seem to have, you're able to listen to your marketplace and you're incentivized to, to find where they want to go, That's right. you know, in a, yeah. in a really interesting way. Although I got to say, as someone who doesn't understand procreate, I do wonder if that was a bit of a false positive that people are like, Oh, a class in procreation. Right. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, there, I don't, I don't there know. Was, I had a double take the first time. Uh, so it was like, hey, we're launching a class on procreating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, and then so so we talked a little bit about developing the marketplace, and we talked a little bit about uh, the skills that are emerging and how they're they're changing over time. Uh, you know, are you learning as fast as the world is changing? In some ways, that sort of validates a lifetime learning model and a subscription model because the skills you learn today six, 12, 18 months from now, you're probably going to need to refresh them. So, right. so that part makes sense. But um, what about how the classes themselves are taught? I, is that another area that Skillshare is doing some research on? Like, how do you know, uh, let's say blockchain is the new hotness, uh, which we've since the late 90s, uh, me and my colleagues have referred to whatever is coming next as the new hotness. So let, let's, call, let's call blockchain the new hotness. Uh, we talked about the Gartner hype cycle, which is coming out, by the way. Gartner hype cycle comes out in August, uh, where you get to see what's, what's trending and what may be troughing, uh, as the case may be. But um, I imagine there's a little bit of thinking about... Um, what skills are emerging and are hot, but then depending on the skill, I imagine you might want to teach it differently. So for example, if you're teaching Procreate, you're probably opening up the interface and getting pretty detailed about how you teach it, as opposed to if you're teaching uh, you know, EQ as a manager, right. maybe it's more slides or whatever. So uh, can you talk more about 
the how and mm -hmm. are the aspects of great instruction shared really across domains or do you think there are different uh, tactics that make more sense for a particular type of skills? Yeah, and that, you know, right now our, our primary structure of a class, they're all video-based, typically uh -huh. five, six, seven different lessons within the class, total of 30 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. um, so that format in some ways is pretty restrictive. Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of really only one way to do it. Now right. you break up those classes, what you teach within those lessons, et cetera, there's a little more creative license there. Um, the one thing that we push that allows for a little more flexibility and a customized approach is we want every class to have a project. Mm -hmm. And so the teachers, you know, really ultimately you're teaching them a class to get them to do the project so they can put the learning to work and mm -hmm. actually produce something. Yep. So by having that project component, we can get a little more, um, I guess, targeted in terms of what we want that output to be for that student. Yep. Uh, but like we are looking at, you know, what are all of the other ways that you could be learning, engaging, consuming, and retaining that information. So mm -hmm. one of the things we just launched is uh, a groups, forums, discussions, yep. functionality on the web. Mm -hmm. So you take your class on uh, watercolor and right. then you can join the watercolor group and you can ask questions, you can talk, you can interact. It also becomes a great source for future classes. Right. You see everybody asking about this one technique or this one tool or this mm -hmm. one approach. Great. Somebody, you know, whoever the expert is in this, right. grab it, go teach a class. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at, you know, we're, we want to ultimately build a learning ecosystem mm -hmm. for some topics, some skills. An online class is going to be just fine. It's going right. to be great. Right. Uh, but for others, maybe it needs to be more interactive. Maybe it needs to be more hands-on. Maybe right. you, uh, another thing we're launching is uh, what we call workshops where it's sort of a guided trip through a handful of classes all centered around the topic with multiple projects. Yeah. And you've got a peer group going through it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So again, it's a little less um, uh, on demand, a little more structured, a little more guided, a little more curated. Yeah. Um, Cause for some people they need that commitment device of, Right. Knowing that there's other people who are going to look down on you if you miss your assignment, you know, <laughs> sure. it's a, yeah. a good old fashioned guilt. For sure. Uh, so how do we, uh, how do we reinsert that structure for people who want it? Yeah. Well, um, and even your point about uh, for serendipity is also interesting too. Cause like, I know uh, at least in the way that I listen to Spotify, for example, I don't listen to it just to get exposed to the stuff that I already know that I love. Part of why I come back to the platform is that, it'll surprise me with something that I wouldn't have chosen myself, but it sort of broadens my thinking. And that's why like, I, I really like the notion of curation and workshops and also workshops that sort of maybe expose more across the T rather mm -hmm. than deep. Cause I do think um, the nature in which skills are being uh, disrupted and industries are being disrupted in some ways it's best to, uh, for the learner and for the potential employee or the human in the 21st century to sort of play with your head up and always be looking across. Mm -hmm. So that if you can kind of make those connections across broader skills domains, you're more, you're better suited, I guess, to like a leadership or general management um, uh, portfolio or direction also the entrepreneurial yeah and that's i mean i think particularly for freelancers mm -hmm. I mean, you know we we talk a lot about freelancers that you know sort of the future of work and freelancing has always been a hot topic for me yeah um you know it is entrepreneurship you're starting your own business right if you're a freelancer and it doesn't matter whether you're a 
freelance designer or if you're driving for Lyft, right. um, you're running your own business. Right. So you got to do sales, you got to do marketing, you got to do finance and accounting, you got to do tax, you got to do legal. Right. Like you own the whole thing. Yes. So um, I think for, and we actually, one of the classes that I teach internally for our employees is a how to read financial statements. Sure. I want our team to understand how to read our business and understand where the operating leverage comes from. Right. We turn that into a Skillshare class. That's smart. And yeah. again, like most of our audience is never going to be a CFO. Right. Um, but just having a fundamental understanding of what financial statements mean, uh, common terms, mm -hmm. how to read them, how to look at them, how to understand them, what to think when you see different things. Like there's just a base level of education that's going to make anyone who has that literacy uh, stronger in whatever they happen to do. Yeah. And in particular, uh, those may be skills and areas of focus that aren't handled by traditional formal education, right? So that's not, you're not, it's, it's going to be tougher for someone in K-12 or an undergrad to take a course on the blockchain for entrepreneurs, for example, right. whereas if they have access to a platform that provides a broad array of instructional opportunities with some light curation around, maybe this matches your profile, here's some curation. Um, I think there's, some, there's something there there. Mm -hmm. And then I also be curious, you know, just sort of analogizing to Spotify, um, like I get a lot of value from my friends' playlists as yep. well. So have you seen, I guess maybe the community features that you're building so, out or yeah, sort of the, with that in mind? That community component is a, is a big part of it. We also, we've launched, we just recently launched lists. Ah. So you can create lists, mm -hmm. save it to, and basically create your own curriculum. Right. Uh, and then we have some curated lists that we put out. We know what people are interested in. So if there's a you know, general interest in blockchain, great. sure. Here are ten biggest or ten best blockchain classes mm -hmm. that we think you should check out. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a lot of our best co classes are sort of the intro level demystifying yes. fundamentals of, uh, and I think that to your point of just how do you how do you get enough to be dangerous? You mm -hmm. don't need to be an expert in finance and accounting, right? But you want to be able to read an income statement for sure. Uh, so I think there's a lot of um, uh, those classes always do well specifically because there's a lot of interest in just getting deep enough to understand what's going on, not necessarily feeling the need to be an expert. Right, right. No, I, I like that. I like that thinking a lot. And, uh, you know, this has been a, this has been a really interesting conversation. Um, how about where, you know, we, we're a trending show. Uh, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, in some ways, the fact that we have you on the show is because, uh, you know, we're saying that we think maybe the direction you're taking might be ahead of trend, which is great. Um, but, um, more broadly, are there macro trends that, like, what do you do to stay aware of what's happening in the world around you? And are there uh, emerging trends that, that you think are worth uh, paying attention to, uh, whether in education or in business or in the creative arts, uh, yeah. any, anything you're keeping track of or anything that's sort of exciting you? these days. Yeah, I think there's sort of one overriding theme that we keep coming back to is in a world where just in automation and AI aren't going away. Mm -hmm. And so that puts a much heavier emphasis on creative work. Right. Uh, and with that in mind, creativity is ultimately about connecting the dots between disciplines, mm -hmm. right? How do I take concept from discipline A and apply it to discipline B? Right. Uh, and that, you know, coming back to that T-shaped learning, that is, that's why that has sort of crystallized for us and really resonated as we think about our, not just our content strategy and where we want the, 
the class content go as we think about our platform in general. Right. Um, and thinking about, about it as a learning ecosystem with lots of different ways to engage. Um, ultimately, all of, there's a great book called, um, um, <laughs> yeah, perfect timing. It's, I said, right. it's a great book and now I forgot what it was. Um, it's, it's Modern a- Monopolies. Oh, man. There you go. You nailed, you nailed it. You know, pulled, pulled back from the break. Yeah. You just relax, uh, <laughs> relax and win. That that's one of our mottos. Yeah. Uh, so uh, modern monopoly is all about platform businesses. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, well, there's a concept of um, all of these platforms, whether it's Skillshare or eBay or Netflix, um, there is a core transaction at the center of that platform. Mm-hmm. And your goal as the platform is to maximize the volume and value of those transactions. Yep. So for us, it's creating that exchange of information. Mm-hmm. You've got expertise and I want to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, our primary mode is you watch a class. You watch a minute of class, that transaction occurs. We've launched groups. Okay, great. Now you can interact in a forum. You can ask questions. You can see questions other people are, are asking. So we've created new ways for that transactions, transaction to occur. Um, so as we think about where we want to go and kind of trends in our business, mm-hmm. we're constantly on the lookout for what are different ways to engage. Mm-hmm. And back to your earlier question around are there certain types of content that are better suited for different ways of learning? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when do we need a full video? When do we need an interactive? When do we, when is a podcast? Fine? Yeah. When would a blog post work? Right. Um, so we're, uh, that's more, I guess, sort of innovation around our business model yeah. and how we, uh, how we work with our, our teachers and students uh, in terms of topics. Um, you know, again, back to that sort of rapid evolution of AI learning, rapid iteration, yeah, technical skills aren't going away anytime soon. Creativity is a huge one. Right. Um, that's where we are focusing most of our efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like what, I think what's fascinating about our platform is just me getting to sit back and see what pops up yeah. and what's, uh, what's trending. So um, one of the consistent things is there's always some new uh, software and technology that people are trying to learn. Yes. Um, there are also certain... Uh, certain creative techniques. Uh, mm. A couple of years ago, it was logo type. There was sort of this logo type explosion mm. on Skillshare, mm-hmm. and I uh, think we we benefited from it as a business. Um, we happen to have a really solid community of teachers who understood that that topic very well. We're right. excellent at teaching. It also lends itself to a visual class. Yeah, uh, and so that actually drove a lot of our growth back in 2015, 2016. Is that one specific skill took off huh. and we happen to have a lot of expertise on our platform around that skill. Yeah. It actually generated a lot of, a lot of growth for us. So yeah. we see it, we don't always see it in advance, but uh, we always certainly uh, pick up on what's going on after the fact. That's very cool. Yeah. It reminds, I just read uh, Ray Dalio's book mm-hmm. uh, principles where he talks about when you're hiring uh, you should first look for alignment around values. Then you should understand abilities. And then the third thing you should look for is skills. And um, interestingly, even though you are a Skillshare, like uh, that seems very consistent with your thinking. In many ways, it's more, almost like the skills themselves will continue to disrupt and change. And as long as you're hiring people who are values aligned and uh, ability, they have the ability to learn and the motivation and the growth mindset and the grit, the skills will right. change over time. Um, the thought though, and, and I felt like you kind of touched on this a little bit, um, and uh, we, we are coming up on, t- this is so engaging, I just keep going, <laughs> but uh, the, um, 
and you kind of touched on it, but like in the maker in maker spaces, because a lot of the the creative domains you're talking about, whether it's development or um, or creative skills, design skills, um, I was curious about how Skillshare thinks about uh, credentials versus portfolios, because mm-hmm. like what I was hearing from you a little bit was more maybe it's about building your portfolio. Uh, which in some ways almost future proofs, even if you build something using say like a legacy skill set, mm-hmm. if you have something people can still see and interact with, in essence, how you built it becomes less critical than what can you actually produce. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between, or just your thoughts about micro credentials yeah. and then whether portfolio building versus credential building and, and, and thinking about going micro, mm-hmm. um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, and, I, and just uh, before I answer that, there you, you made a comment that spurred a thought. And one of our strongest sources of, actually, our, our number one source of new teachers is our student base. Mm. So that you know, you may come in to learn skill A, but you happen to have skill B, and that actually turns out to be a pretty hot skill. Mm-hmm. Um, those students who flip to a teacher and create good classes around those topics, it's both a great indicator of what's hot and what's going on in the market, um, but it's a it's a good reminder that you're not one or the other. Right. Everybody's always got an opportunity to contribute. And a lot of those students tend to turn out to be pretty amazing teachers. And that's because you run the class like a hunger game. And then you figure out only one (laughs) of you will. Only one's going to be left. (laughs) Uh, But back to the credentialing. Um, Yeah. We talk about credentialing a lot because I think particularly within the freelancer community and we, our audience certainly skews towards freelancer there's a lot of demand for being able to show that you have the expertise that you say you have. Um, challenges for a lot of, particularly for uh, freelancers, that traditional credentialing model doesn't work very well. Uh, so they lean on perf- portfolios and examples of the work. And you know, ultimately I think a credential is, it's a proxy, mm-hmm. right? You went to Harvard, no, you're smart. Mm-hmm. You have a project management certification, up, oh, you run a tight ship. Right. Um, so I could rely on that credential or I could just see your work. Right. Um, and that, you know, when we do our own hiring, I put a lot more emphasis on, um, on reference checks than I do the interview. Sure. Cause I, you know, you can have a bad day. Right. I could, I could just be hearing what I want to hear. Right. Um, interviews are terrible predictors of success. They might've just taken the Skillshare course on <laughs> exactly. how to nail your interview. Right. Exactly. right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just mimic everything <laughs> I say. And I, all of a sudden I think they're a genius. Uh, you know, so I think the, you know, credentials and interviews can be gained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all know people who went to Ivy League schools and aren't that effective in their right, job. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I think the, the reason why we have leaned heavily on projects and portfolios and showing your work, mm-hmm. it's really hard to fake. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think there is definitely something there around credentialing. I think for us, um, uh, I was at a, an interesting U.S. Department of Education sort of roundtable discussion, and somebody said something to the effect of, we're moving to a world where uh, the credentials should be based on the rigor of the work performed mm-hmm. as opposed to the prestige of the institution who grants it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just resonated with me. Mm-hmm. If we're going to, and we've run some tests and we've done some experience around credentials, if we're going to go deep there, I want it to be, you have run the gauntlet and you've put in a lot of work right. and you've got tangible things that you can show uh, that illustrate your expertise and your skill level, mm-hmm. that to me has a lot more value than just putting a Skillshare stamp of saying you've completed this course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fascinating conversation. Uh, we are getting close to time. 
Haven't had much of a chance to talk about uh, machine learning, automation, uh, that aspect of the future work. You touched on it a little bit around the, uh, the importance of creative skills. Um, we tend to, uh, we like talking about robots mm -hmm. and we like to talk about uh, science fiction. You know, I was talking a little bit about Westworld uh, prior, to, prior to the start. Um, is there anything that's capturing your imagination or, or anything around the, the skills maybe that are most relevant to a world that's gonna have more and more intelligent agents, more and more uh, automation, maybe even better tooling around that automation. Uh, do you have any thoughts around how humans can both continue to assert their creativity and imag imagination mm -hmm. and maybe in new and exciting ways, but then also how you know, we can benefit from learning how to engage with this wave that is coming rather than yeah. you know, put our heads in the sand. Yeah, I, quick, quick related anecdote. I've, uh, I've got four daughters and my youngest, uh, anytime we're in the car, she'll yell out, Alexa, <laughs> change the channel. Yeah. You know, she'll want a new song. Alexa's not with us, honey. <laughs> Siri, change the channel. It's like, <laughs> no, Siri's not here either. Uh, so, you know, there are definitely some lessons to be learned there of how to interact with uh, all of these new uh, attendants that are surrounding us. Um, you know, I think a lot of the interesting components can be the application of it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just so many really fascinating ways to apply this newfound technology that we have. Right. Um, and, and there's also this sort of this weird balancing act of how do we not, how do we not let it make us too lazy? Right. Um, you know, and, and also just the, you know, the ADD factor only gets worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you, okay, I love Spotify, but the fact that I can just sit there and press forward, oh, yeah. forward, 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 <laughs> forward until I hear a song I like, right. You know, back to the, you know, we all live in our little insular world. Yeah. If I've got everything I want, whenever I want it at right. my fingertips, then it really does take forced serendipity to get me to do anything different. Right. Um, you know, so I think the, um, you know, just uh, as we get more into automation, machine learning, AI, everything around you at all times, having whatever you want. Right. Um, it actually makes it, I think it will make it harder to be creative in some ways because mm -hmm. it's just so easy to get what you want. Right. Um, and it's maybe it's that we should lean into that challenge, yeah, right? And actually yeah. try to understand if equipped with these like new and emerging skills, how do we sort of, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the guru, Steve Jobs, uh, you know, like he was really curious about the intersection between arts and technology and creativity and, and technology and, um, you know, also understanding the dangers. So some of this probably needs to be done uh, in a mindful place away from screens, mm -hmm. but like, how do you really find that inspiration, that creativity, and then how do you make it relevant in a, in a digital, rapidly changing, noisy world? Yeah. Um, well, and, and that's where I think the, the um, I guess back to the credentialing almost, it's sort of the authentic, authentication of all that information. Yeah. Because with, you know, I mean, we're seeing it in the political environment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when everything that you see online could be a bot. Right. How do you start to validate, like, mm -hmm. is this real? Is it not real? Yes. And that, I mean, it actually, obviously, it's creating some pretty significant issues for us as a country. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, it's not going away anytime soon. Right. right. So we've got a, and there's a lot of big brains working on this problem and they haven't figured it out yet. Right. So um, that's something that, you know, certainly keeps me up at night. I think it keeps a lot of people up at night. Yeah. Um, 
it's great that we've got it all at our fingertips, but now we have a lot of things at our fingertips that just are real. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe that does speak to the importance of curation and, yeah. and sort of brands like, uh, like Kaplan and, and Skillshare who are saying, we've already vetted this. We're, we'll keep the, keep the bad actors out and we'll just give you a safe place to learn. Yeah. Um, so, uh, always try to leave on a, on a positive note. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, even, though, even though we're slightly dystopian, uh, right, we're also exactly. hopeful. Um, but, uh, but Matt Cooper, CEO of Skillshare, thanks very much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, and for our listeners, uh, we'll be back again uh, soon. So thanks again, thanks again for listening. Uh, this is Mike Palmer for Trending in Education. Have a good one. <laughs>